Welcome into the Husker 24-7 postgame show. Way, way late postgame. We're, we're basically Pac-12 after dark postgame right now, aren't we, Brunts? We are. The uh, Oregon and Oregon State are in the fourth quarter, so that tells you how late we're doing this. Also, with California's new rules, we're uh, unfortunately not getting the, the late, 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 late start. Like, we need, like, a Hawaii home game to get us that now. Yeah, I know that's a bigger deal for you than it is for me. <laughs> um, and it's also only Friday, even though it feels like a Saturday and or a Sunday. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, – that's just how it goes right now. So we we will we'll try to we'll try to speed this up. We'll try to get into our, our thoughts on uh, another loss for Nebraska and the Nebraska Iowa series. I, I do want to say this though, Bruns. I am very in the spirit of like what we're thankful for this week. I am thankful for both Kirk Ferentz and for and for Keith Duncan because they're single handedly making this a rivalry, and I'm here for it. I like it. Keith, Keith Duncan's got uh, – he's got a future like a professional wrestling, I think. <laughs> like, with the, the kisses to the Nebraska sideline last year, the, the mustache comments that, you know, weren't really a big deal this year. I mean, he's kind of lucky, though, too, right? Like, you doink it off the crossbar in the fourth quarter and give Nebraska a short field. That could have been uh, – there could have been some definite online comeuppance there coming his way if that would have gone a different way. Yeah, you know, but it's still Nebraska football, so it wasn't going to go that way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, he, he could be like Jimmy Hart, you know, like he's a manager. Uh, you get a couple of those Iowa farm boy linemen that uh, beat each other with two-by-fours, as Jerry DiNardo likes to say, uh, and they're the most physical practices of all time. They, he, could, he could run that tag team. I think that's his future. Get him a megaphone. Oh yeah, I I don't even know if he needs it, but uh, no. Seriously though, I I like this stuff. I I think that it's a real rivalry, obviously between Nebraska and Iowa. I know people don't want to believe it, but these programs don't like each other. Kirk Ferentz flat out does not like Scott Frost. Does not like Nebraska. He made that very plain today uh, in his what I thought were bizarre comments, considering there's video footage of his coach. I don't know who it is. Could be a quality control guy simulating a snap but you know if he wants to claim that's just clapping on the sidelines look that's his prerogative but I uh, I enjoyed the comments today from them you get to say those things when you win football games I know that's hard for people to imagine Nebraska doesn't win that many football games but that's what you get to do when you win six in a row and Iowa up the ante and Nebraska hung around today but they weren't able to get it done where do you want to dive in at brunch you want to start with the offensive woes we want to start on the defensive side of the ball what do you want to do Let's start on offense because that, that was probably the – there was the most intrigue on offense because you, you had – you got a two-quarterback system now, right? Like, that's where we are. Yeah. They, uh, so, basically, correct me if I'm wrong here. Martinez got the first two. McCaffrey got the next two. Martinez got the one – the next two. Martinez started after halftime. McCaffrey came in the very following drive. Martinez finished that one off. I, I, you know, it's just it was interesting um, how they chose to use it. It was it was probably more more of a sixty five thirty five than it was a straight fifty fifty uh, in terms of the the dual quarterback thing. But I I wouldn't be surprised if this is sort of what it looks like the rest of the year. Well, I was I was thinking like 
the, the most experience that Nebraska has with the two-quarterback two system in recent years is like the, the Tommy Armstrong, Ron Kellogg mashup. Uh, was that 2013? Yeah. Yeah, that was 2013 because that was um, – Taylor kicked a locker, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's – I actually thought it worked. Like – and kind of looking at the way that they played, I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Adrian was 18 of 20 for 174. Caffrey, 3 of 5. I mean, Nebraska completed 21 of 25 passes for 195 yards. They were okay with the quarterback run game on the ground, I guess. But, you know, I it was an odd way that they handled the rotation. Um, but I think it was kind of the right mix because I thought when Luke came in, it gave Nebraska just – it was just a little bit of a change of pace that not only was Nebraska able to do a little bit more in the quarterback run game design with Luke, but they were also to kind of speed – able to speed the tempo up a little bit. And I think that was a nice little change up um, in, in kind of how things went. And I thought I – mean, you can disagree with me, but I thought Adrian looked a little bit more confident in his throws, a little bit more decisive in, in trying to get things downfield than maybe he was, um, you know, earlier this season. I don't know if, if that's a change that we can count on going forward, but it, it, he seemed like he was seeing things a little bit better. He also had a little bit more time to see things too. So, I, I mean, I think that's probably going to be expected going forward that that's what it's going to look like. But I, I was okay with that part of the offense. I mean, remember, yeah. am I wrong? No, I don't. I don't think you're wrong, and I want to address the Adrian thing. He had a couple nice throws today to Wandale in the middle of the field that those balls have sailed high on him for two years. So if he gets that part of his game down, and he can actually hit uh, the seam routes and the you know Todd Peterson kind of talked about this. Like there's there's certain throws that you need your quarterback to be able to make to open up that defense to then open up other things in the offense. So I I think if he can hit some of those throws going forward, it's going to be good. It still didn't feel like he was comfortable turning it loose on those third downs, like, you know, taking a shot, giving Nebraska a 50-50 opportunity to go up and make a play. Yeah. It just seems like both quarterbacks are scared to death to do that. And the one time he did, Austin Allen made a hell of a catch that the Fox announcing crew still doesn't understand how it was a catch. Uh, Mike Pereira, I think the uh, the rules guru doesn't understand how it's a catch, but it was called a catch. And, uh, you know, that was that was one of the few times where he just kind of like let it loose. And I, I wish we could see that more because you just get these these sort of awkward moments where it's third and 13 or, or whatever. And Cade Warner's running an eight-yard route, and I have no idea why. Or maybe it's a 10-yard route, but he cuts it deep enough that it becomes an eight-yard route. Mm -hmm. And I just – I think people and, – and I might just be projecting here. I'm tired of seeing Nebraska play so conservative in some of those situations. It's just like if, if you're not willing to cut it loose at some point, they're just going to stay over top of you forever, which is what Iowa largely did today. Uh, and – and, you know, with, with the two quarterback thing, what kills me is that Luke McCaffrey, they won't let throw in the red zone. So unless you run it in, it doesn't really feel like there's much of an opportunity to score once you get inside the 25 and they just load it up in the box and, and 
I mean, Nebraska ran a third and six um, zone read, inside zone read today uh, that, you know, clearly wasn't executed in terms of blocking, which we'll dive into the offensive line for. Yeah, but, I think I even texted you during that. It, I mean, you basically had an unblocked middle linebacker on third and six. Which against this defense is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I mean, that that's not a uh, – that's not typically a tackle that an Iowa defense is going to miss. And, and you're right. I mean, it, as good as things sometimes look today, or at least a little bit more wide open, you also had, you know, Nebraska venturing at least, if not into the red zone, but within the Iowa 25. And it looked like just really, you know, buttoned up small playbook play calling once again, like you were you're like, okay, we made it here. Let's, uh, you know, try to keep it, keep it uh, right here. We'll, we'll kick the field goal and, and, and move on. So, you know, I, I, I think that's, you know, trusting your players. I, I think, I think it's, you know, being just basically trusting your guys to go out and make a play whenever you can't, you know, scheme something up because the, the, the space is a little less when, when you're down in your, uh, in the opponent's 20. I don't know. I, I, I don't, uh, that, that's been one of the interesting kind of trends I think this season to follow is that, you know, even as Nebraska's gotten better field goal kicking, I mean, in, in the red zone, it's just like you're, you're getting, it's almost kind of like a, the, the play sheet shrinks to like an index card is kind yeah. of where they're at. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, I was, I was borderline stunned that Ramir Johnson scored, uh, that it wasn't yet another one yard touchdown plunge for Nebraska. I, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I want to just sort of guess that they have six one yard touchdowns this year. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, I feel like the safest, oddly specific prediction we could make is that Nebraska is going to score a one-yard touchdown uh, because they, I feel like they have at least one in every game this year and, and some of them too. So uh, that's that's just kind of where it's at with, with this offense. But I I don't say this to, to make people mad or disgusted or anything, but I think as it happened, when it was called – you probably couldn't find a better moment to sum up the three years of Nebraska under Scott Frost than the, the unfortunate Bryce Benhart holding penalty when Nebraska's down by three and Taylor Martinez just took it inside the 28-yard line Adrian. and that offense is moving and people feel good. And then you see the little flag graphic and you just know. I mean, everyone – I don't know if people I, – I had the commentary off at that point. I don't know if they had called it out or whatever, but – uh, if you see that little graphic up there, you just know that it's going against Nebraska because that's just the way that it's gone. And and there are certain moments since Frost has taken over, and, and this is going to be one uh, that, I, that I'm going to really remember, the fact that they subbed in Luke McCaffrey last year uh, with the, the game tied and an opportunity to go ahead and win it on the field is another one. And, and it's just like – it just represents the, the struggle that this program goes through as it tries to, you know, push the proverbial boulder up the hill only to find out that there's just more and more pushing to do. Yeah, it, it, it was funny. I was watching that play live and I didn't even think that Ben Hart was the one that held him. Like, I think there, I think it was Cam Jurgens maybe that kind of had his guy in maybe a bad spot and, and kind of turned him a little bit. I, I thought that's who the flag was going to be on. Cause I, I even I said aloud, I was like, Oh, 
Jurgens Heldon, um, and, and then in the calls on Ben Hart. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of a, you know, the 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 latest and the kind of frustrating last two and a half years for this program as you, you get so close in a rivalry game like this, you play in, in, in pieces of your team well enough to win and you just can't get it over the finish line. I mean, this is what 11 of the 19 losses now are, are one score losses. Um, so it, it's a matter of, I mean, I, I feel like I talk about this a lot on our various podcasts. It's, it's five plays a game where you have to win those plays and you probably win the game. And it was the same thing today with, you know, a, a muffed ki- uh, punt return, um, you know, just th- those types of plays you just, you have to make uh, the, the third down pickup or the pickup that, uh, Petrus threw to Laporta where he threw behind him and it looked like the linebacker was there on decent coverage too. Um, he didn't uh, make that, that play. And um, you know, that that's just kind of the way things have gone. I mean, it's, this is a program right now where the margin is so thin. I mean, it's, it's a play or two and you just have to be able to make those and they just have not been able to make them. I was just looking up your, your uh, question about one-yard runs. Looks yeah. like McCaffrey had a one-yard touchdown against Penn State. He had a McCaffrey one-yard touchdown against Illinois. Yeah. And, Mills has one. Uh, Mills had a three-yarder, a three-yarder. Okay. I was thinking that he was at the one-yard line. but He had one-yarder today. So yeah. – only three. Yeah. Feels like a lot more. I'll agree with you there. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I, I think one of the things that's really difficult um, for, for Nebraska fans is that Nebraska does hang around in these games, but oftentimes they're playing two teams. They're playing the team across from them, and they're playing themselves. I mean, today, and I, I again, I just feel like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but Nebraska's special teams – and they used to call them hidden yardage. I don't know. If you're watching the games on television, there's nothing hidden about the fact that Nebraska gave away somewhere in the neighborhood of 100-plus yards in field position today uh, with just poor special teams play. I don't understand why they were pooch kicking it and then elected to kick one deeper and then gave up an additional 10 yards on that. Um, I don't understand the punting at all right now. I don't know if Pristup couldn't figure the wind out or if he just decided to outkick his coverage, um, or if after he outkicked his coverage, he decided he was never going to kick to the kid again. And so he just started kicking 30-yard punts along the sidelines. Um, I, I just – I don't – I can't fathom this. And then those, those are bad enough, right? And then you have Elante Brown, who as a freshman wants to make a play but continues to, to cost Nebraska yardage by not getting to the 25 instead of just fair catching these things. Um, it's just a uh, – it, it just stands out to me that despite all of that, Nebraska's down three, should be getting the ball, and on a punt return, Cam Taylor-Britt, not even really close to where that ball was landing, just kind of like throws his hands out in a fishing expedition for that ball, and it, it bounces off of it, hits off of another player, and 
we know Nebraska's fumble luck isn't the same as the other teams they play. And so it winds up right in the hands of Iowa. And that's just a, you know, it's just one of those things that after everything else that had happened in special teams and Nebraska's still only down by three points, they force a three and out. They're finally going to get great field position for the second time after that interception from DiCaprio Boodle earlier in the game. And they give it away and they give up three more points. So instead of needing a field goal at the end of the game to tie or a touchdown to win, they had to score the touchdown to win no matter what. Yeah. It's uh, so average field position today Iowa started at its own 38, Nebraska at its own 28. Iowa didn't start a drive. Inside its own 30, other than once. Uh, yeah, until the fourth quarter. They started a, a drive at their own uh, 13. So, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, that that's a very uh, – you know, we, we can kind of – I guess if you want to pivot to the defense a little bit. I mean, we haven't talked offensive line really yet, but – I mean, they, they were put in – the defense was put in a lot of tough spots today, um, you know, because of turnovers, the field position part of it, and held up pretty well. Did, do we want to hit on offensive line? Yeah. I want, let's, I want let's to take that before we transition fully here. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's hit on the offensive line before we go to the defense. I thought this was as bad of a game as they've had this year. Um, you know, between the snapping issues for the variety of reasons that those have been occurring – uh, between – and I don't know if you, you thought this as well, but there was at least three times linemen were put out in space on screenplays or on uh, more exotic blocking. And you just had these guys running downfield that weren't really touching anybody. Uh, there was a, a screenplay to Wandale Robinson where it just felt like if Matt Farniak just touches the guy and, and impedes his progress, Wandale's getting an easy first down because it felt like there was nobody else on that side of the field. But they just – they just don't do these simple things that you see these other teams execute and pull off. Um, it, it just, it's, it, it's a little bit mind boggling. And then of course you had the holding penalty on um, Bryce Benhart. There was a third and 10 that became a third and 15 because of a false start that was unnecessary. Uh, and then you had, unfortunately for Farniak, he got beat by a very good defensive player over at Iowa. I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, you know, that's the lasting image from that game. You're, you're driving, trying for a go-ahead touchdown to reverse the, the course and the narrative of this series. And instead, the interior defensive lineman whips your right guard and blows up your quarterback, forces a fumble, and the game's over. Yeah, the, the I mean, the other play that stands out to me that probably would have gone a long ways, it, it just uh, you know some block. It seemed like the, the reverse to Alante Brown was, you know, going to go a long ways. Um and, and Brendan Hymas kind of reached on a guy, didn't really get the block. He kind of touched him. But um, if that gets blocked well, I think that's going a lot farther than it ended up getting. And, I mean, you you know, Davion Nixon is a a tough matchup. But, you know, to, to get beaten like that in that situation, you just can't have that happen. I mean, it's it was a basically a whiff. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it it's – I know they're playing young guys at certain spots along the along the offensive line. Those guys, I, I believe, have a bright future with with Ben Hart, um, Piper, I mean Cam Jurgens. I mean the snap issues continue to happen um, in spite of the clapping. So, you know, it, you just need you need Hymas and Farniok to to be guys that you can count on. I didn't I didn't think they had very good games today. 
Yeah, no, they, they didn't. They didn't play well. And look, Iowa does that. I mean, they're, they're not supposed to look great on your offensive line. But on the flip side, I mean, Nebraska's defense, I thought, really showed up today. Uh, obviously, you know, there's been some people that, that felt like that Illinois game was more indicative of what we've seen this year. And I felt like that was an outlier. That's why I thought this line was too high. I felt like this was going to be a, a fairly close game throughout. And I like Nebraska's ability to match up with this Iowa team. I know we talked about it at last year after that game ended, but Nebraska played a lot of base defense because they felt like Iowa wasn't able to effectively run the ball when they did their job. Today, Iowa ran for, what, like 130 yards as a team on 30-some carries. It was like 2.9 yards average. 129, 2.9 average. Yeah, I mean – Tyler Tyler Goodson had 30 carries to uh, to go over 100 yards, and Makai Sargent didn't do much. I mean, I, I really thought that the the front seven played really well, and you know the the back uh, the back end did their job at times too. I mean, they they gave up some completions. Uh, that play with Deontay Williams on third down, I don't know what he was doing, why he got sucked so far into the middle of the field and just gave the entire edge to uh, to the I think it was Nolan or excuse me, Iowa tight end there on a critical third down. But for the most part, the, the defense played pretty well in a situation in which Iowa was at the middle of the field or in Nebraska's territory for probably four-fifths of their possession today. Yeah, no, I think if you, if you would have said, all right, you know, at the start of this thing, Iowa runs for 129 yards, I think Nebraska would have taken that, you know, without question. And – you know, I, I thought the front seven held up well. I thought um, – and, 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 you know, a depleted front seven too. I mean, not, not having Colin Miller in there, they kind of had to uh, shuffle a little bit too whenever um, Luke Reimer went out. You had to move Nick Hendrick in there. Um, so, it, I mean, it wasn't your, your starting front seven, but I thought they held up relatively well. I thought that they – I, I don't think they got enough pressure to really kind of harass Spencer Petrus. Petrus? Yeah. Is it Petrus? I always thought it was Petrus. But... I thought it was Petrus, too, but then uh, our, our guy, Sean Bach, was calling him Petrus. Okay. Petrus. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, they, they didn't really harass him too much. I mean, he got the first sack against Iowa since 2016, which is crazy to me, but um, – I thought that the the secondary was able to cover well enough. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a ton of issue with the way the defense played today. I mean, I think if if you would have said to me that Brass was going to hold Iowa to three twenty two total, that you were going to you know hold it to two point nine a carry, that that's a pretty good recipe to come out with a win, I think. And I, I thought you know it was a nice bounce back, especially after a very embarrassing lost to Illinois and, and frankly getting manhandled up front by Illinois. So, you know, it, it's, you know, moral victories, I guess, but, you know, they, they played well enough to win, but they didn't get the, uh, the other two factions of the game playing well enough to help them out. Yeah. And it, it just goes back to, to kind of, we had this conversation before the season. We talked about like which side of the ball we were more concerned about. And for me, it has largely always been, is the offense going to put up enough points? I just felt like the magic number for the defense was if they can keep it below 28, they should be able to win games. They've done that most of this season. Um, you know, three out of the, the five games, obviously, Illinois and Ohio State, different ones. But it just, again, Nebraska just has a, a more competent offense 
And we're not talking about a one and four team, but they don't. And this is where you are. And, and the, the frustrating thing is that there's no, there's no assurance that this defense, like this is what I think also bothers fans. You get this performance against Northwestern. You get this performance against Iowa. Two teams that are pretty good at playing football and pretty good at playing, forcing you to play the way that they play. Yet you go play Illinois and you have a performance like you do. You give up a bunch of yards to Penn State. They're going to play Purdue this next week. Do you think we're more likely to see uh, 2.9 yards a carry or all of a sudden a Purdue team that can't run it against anybody is finding big creases against Nebraska? We just don't know. They're not consistent week in and week out. And that's why, you know, there's a limited ceiling with this defense because you really don't know what you're going to get each week. No, I, I agree. I mean, and, and that's the way the team is too. I mean, you 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 have a team, I think, that is is good enough and talented enough to win games. I think that you have a team that also, for whatever reason, be it coaching, be it luck, be it scheme, be it personnel at times, and, and who's in there, I mean, is also – able to lose games that they should win. I mean, that that's been the, the rub the last three years or two and a half years is, you know, you, you don't know week to week what you're going to get. And that's, that's kind of a scary place to be. I think as a coach, I think it's a scary place to uh, certainly not fun place to be as a fan right now. So, you know, how, how do you kind of, you know, write the ship, I guess, and, and try to continue to build on something. I mean, that that's, that's, that's kind of the challenge of this season. You've got a couple games left, uh, at least on the schedule. you got Purdue, you got Minnesota. you got a bonus game against somebody, um, conceivably. So, you know, how do you uh, build something? And that's been the question all season, and Nebraska hasn't been able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's got to kind of be the rallying cry over these next two weeks. If you're a coach over on that staff right there, is, you know, how do you want to leave this? You got two games left to kind of finish off 2020 season. You're staring at another losing season right in the face. Um, you know, you, you haven't necessarily gone out and improved that there's anything that you do particularly well. And so I, I would have to think that would be motivating. Um, I would have to think that, you know, they lost today. But I, I would imagine that Nebraska can channel some of what they had today in, in Iowa City and, and take it to Purdue, but Purdue's a different set of challenges. David Bell is, uh, is really, really good. And they got this guy named Rondell Moore who's back. Uh, you might've heard of him. He played a couple years ago. Uh, pretty good. They say, so, you know, they're, they're going to be a, a, a challenge. And unfortunately brunch, you and I won't be there to, to eat the hot dogs with the, the brand name Purdue stamped right on the side. And frankly, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it'll be disappointing to not uh, get that loud train horn in your ear every five seconds. Get the get your soul stolen by Purdue Pete, and uh, like you said, the the branded hot dogs, always a fun time. West Lafayette and the golf cart ride. That's oh, the best part. Yeah, I like that trip, even though you you hate it. I don't hate it. That, that's that's one of the more underrated trips in the Big Ten. Yeah, but you like Evanston more. So I just assume you hate it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's the most under, underrated trip in the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess underrated and Northwestern have to go together. So, 
Yeah. You know, but. All right. Well, um, what, uh, what do we want to plug? What's going on on the website? Well, for the next couple of days, we've got the probably the best deal that we're going to give you all season. If you're a new subscriber to Husker 24-7, 75% off an annual subscription. Um, if you don't want to do the whole year, give you a buck for your first month. Um, but good time to hop on board. Basketball season's firing up. Baseball season's around the corner. Recruiting is still humming along. We were uh, three weeks from signing day, so – Lots to do, games to be played. The place to do it is Husker 24-7, 75% off an annual subscription for new subscribers. So get there and join us. All right. Well, for Michael Brunts, this is Mike Schaefer. We'll be back with some more podcasts next week. We should have the, uh, the full week. We should have the full crew back. We'll get Brian Christopherson back in the fold uh, next week, and we'll dive into Nebraska-Purdue. And a little Husker hoops. We didn't talk any today. We'll definitely talk some on Tuesday. I know Brooks has some thoughts. They play again on Saturday.